0: are so far advanced, I have to ask, if they're really visiting Earth, why did they keep crashing? That's something that's always puzzled me. This is Neil Parks, your host for Paranormally Speaking. This week, I will be discussing UFO visitations and why they keep crashing. And Raleigh, if the following article is true, it will turn out to be the most amazing and most Earth-shattering The most incredible story of this century. Why? Because this article says that human beings are not alone in the universe. It says that extraterrestrial species of intelligent beings exist on other planets and that these extraterrestrial beings are visiting Earth through using advanced technologies. The headline alone is unbelievable. It's jaw-dropping. These quotes from the article even more so. For example, Grouche said the recoveries of partial fragments through and up to intact vehicles have been made for decades through the present day by the government, its allies, and defense contractors. The material includes intact and partially intact vehicles. The non-human intelligence phenomenon is real. We are not alone, Gray said. Retrievals of this kind are not limited to the United States. This is a global phenomenon, and yet a global solution continues to elude us. Grush said that the craft recovery operations are ongoing at various levels of activity and that he knows the specific individuals, current and former, who are involved. His assertion concerning the existence of a terrestrial arms race Occurring sub Rosa over the past 80 years, focused on reverse engineering technologies of unknown origin, is fundamentally correct, as is the indisputable realization that at least some of these technologies of unknown origin derive from non human intelligence. A vast array of our most sophisticated sensors, including space based platforms, have been utilized by different agencies, typically. And triplicate to observe and accurately identify the out of this world nature, performance, and design of these anomalies, these machines, and are then determined not to be of earthly origin. There it is. With these six quotes, there can be no question human beings are not alone in the universe. Extraterrestrial beings are visiting Earth now an amazing spacecraft, and they have been visiting us all around the globe that we know of for at least 80 years. Now, we know full well that they've been here all along, if you really pay attention. This article is acting as the seed of the UAPs, formerly known as UFOs. I still call them UFOs. And alien beings are real. Tor Media Examples Senator admits UFO whistleblower report tracks with official briefing. You can find that in Newsweek. What the heck is going on with these UFO stories? You can find that in the New York Times and on Apple Podcasts. Is the government concealing UFO craft and dead extraterrestrials? You can find that from the intelligence official U.S. government UFO info articles at www w.bu.edu articles but there is the problem here apparently these aliens crash a lot it is the observation that makes this whole article suspect but it is true these aliens must be coming to earth and crashing their high tech spacecraft on a regular basis how else have these government agencies collected the intact and partially intact vehicles let's go a further step This article is going to turn out to be nonsense. Despite the attempts in the article to make it sound completely credible and airtight, how can we tell that this article is nonsense? First, there is a prior observation. The idea that aliens arrive on Earth, fly around, then crash on a regular basis all over the globe. This notion is expressed in the article with sentences like, Retrievals of this kind are not limited to the United States. This is a global phenomenon. What we must believe is that the aliens have been unable to develop safe, self-driving vehicles. Therefore, the aliens are driving their ships themselves, and they are terrible drivers. They frequently crash. That's what this article is insinuating. Now, fact of the matter is, whether these beings are from other worlds or from within our own planet living in underwater bases or in the center of the Earth and coming out to play a little bit and trading tech for information or tech for people to experiment on is one thing. But then for us and our limited knowledge, taking the same technology that they provide us with and trying to reverse engineer it, And we are the ones actually crashing the damn things. They are not. We have not figured out a fail-safe way to operate this machinery, to handle it, to handle the G-forces, to handle the ins and outs of deep space travel, uh, wormhole theory. Uh, These things have got to be going 27G. And the human body cannot withstand that type of force. We must believe that every single one of these crash sites, regardless of the country where the crash occurs, is immediately and completely sealed off so that zero photographs or videos or materials from the crash sites have ever leaked into the public for 80 years. It means that these highly advanced aliens have an unshakable preference for tiny vehicles roughly the size of an SUV. Think of the movies you have seen where aliens arrive on Earth like Independence Day, Battle of Los Angeles, Battleship, War of the Worlds, Arrival. The list goes on. The aliens in these movies arrive in giant ships. Even the Starship Enterprise in Star Trek is a giant ship with hundreds of people on board. This is not to say that Hollywood knows everything there is to know about alien arrivals, but aliens would not arrive in the alien equivalent of a flying SUV, so they can zip around our planet and then crash. If aliens do exist, it is quite unlikely that they are traveling the universe in SUV-sized vehicles. Why? Because these are practical things like food, beverages, restrooms, beds, engines, fuel, wardrobes, life support systems, communication systems, tools, instruments, exercise equipment, and so on, that need to fit somewhere on a long journey. The point being that the ships would be huge, potentially enormous, and the crash sites would therefore be impossible to hide. Someone is thinking the flying SUVs could be coming from enormous motherships. That means that there would be motherships, and why wouldn't they also be crashing? Honestly, they're staying out of our orbit. They're cloaked, or they're able to zip in and out of a self Replicated wormhole that they Project, move through And then close behind them I could keep going on But you can see the point It simply is not possible that aliens are zipping around All over the planet In exotic SUV sized ships And crashing all the time With zero witnesses It is not happening The things that are crashed And that are found Are probably Either man-made, reversed-engineered from their technology, or it's a probe sent by a much larger ship that malfunctions one way or another. Something in our atmosphere, something with either 5G or something with our advancements in technology is disrupting a simple probe and causing it to crash. Fantastic.
1: Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction...
0: That's terrific. Good day and good week. This is Neil Parks, your host for Paranormally Speaking. I'm an award-winning author and a lot of other things, but I won't get into it because I don't want to bore you. This week's episode will be about the UFO incident that occurred in Aurora, Texas in 1897. The Aurora, Texas UFO incident reportedly occurred on April 17th 1897, when according to locals, a UFO crashed on a farm near Aurora, Texas, United States of course. The incident, similar to the more famous Roswell UFO incident 50 years later, is claimed to have resulted in a fatality of the pilot and the occupants within the craft. The pilot and those occupants were not of this world, and they were said to be ...of alien origin. The pilot was buried at the Aurora Cemetery. He had apparently lived for a little bit... ...before succumbing to his injuries and passing. The other occupants on the ship... ...were discarded with the remains of the ship and hidden. A stone was placed as a marker for the grave... ...but has since been removed. And there was an original newspaper article... Describing the incident by S.E. Hayden, a windmill demolishes it, the Dallas Morning News, from April 19th, 1897. The article from was written by S.E. Hayden, described the UFO crash. The UFO is said to have hit a windmill on the property of a Judge J.S. Proctor two days earlier at around 6 a.m. local central time, Resulting in its crash, the pilot, who was reported to not be of this world and a quote-unquote Martian, according to a reported Army Signal Service officer named T.J. Weems from nearby Fort Worth, did not survive the next following days after the crash and was buried with Christian rites by a traveling pastor named William Russell Tabor at the nearby Aurora Cemetery. The cemetery contains a Texas Historical Commission marker mentioning the incident. Reportedly, wreckage from the crash site was dumped into a nearby well-slash-water reservoir located under this damaged windmill. While some ended up with the alien in the grave, adding to the mystery was the story of Mr. Brawley Oates, who purchased Judge Proctor's property around 1935, Oates cleaned out the debris from the well in order to use it as a water source, but later developed an extremely severe case of arthritis, which he claimed to be the result of contaminated water from the wreckage dumped into the well. As a result, Oates sealed up the well with a concrete slab and placed an outbuilding atop the slab. According to writing on the slab, this was done in 1945. Now, the hoax theory is primarily based on a 1980 Time Magazine interview with Etta Piguas, an 86-year-old Aurora resident who claimed that Hayden had fabricated the entire story, stating that Hayden wrote it as a joke and to bring interest to Aurora. The railroad bypassed us, and the town was dying. Piguas further claimed that Judge Proctor never operated a windmill on his property a statement later disputed in an episode of UFO Hunters, which found what they claimed to be the base of a wooden water pump tower constructed around the well. Paranormal researcher Jerry Drake, on April 12, 2020, episode of the Monster Talk Live podcast challenged that finding, noting the well was clearly a bucket well of modern construction estimated to be built sometime after 1940 and not a well-designed for use with a windmill. A Texas Historical Commission marker outside the Aurora Cemetery alleged burial site of the UFO pilot, which briefly mentions the incident. The incident has been investigated on numerous occasions. One report was broadcast by local television station KDFW Fox 4. And two other reports aired on cable television. KDFW report. In 1998, Dallas-based TV station KDFW aired a lengthy report about the Aurora incident. Reporter Richard Ray interviewed former Fort Worth Star-Telegram reporter Jim Mars and other locals who had something, uh, whether it crashed in Aurora or not. However, Ray's report was unable to find conclusive evidence of extraterrestrial life or technology from this crash. Ray reported that the state of Texas erected a historical plaque in the town that outlines the tale and labels it legend. UFO Files Investigation On December 19, 2005, UFO Files first aired an episode related to this incident titled Texas Roswell. The episode featured a 1973 investigation led by Bill Case, an aviation writer for the Dallas Times-Herald, and the Texas State Director of MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network. MUFON uncovered two new eyewitnesses to the crash. Mary Evans, who was 15 at the time, told of how her parents went to the crash site and they forbade her from going, and the discovery of the alien body. Charlie Stevens, who was 10 at the time, told how he saw the airship trailing smoke as it headed north toward Aurora. He wanted to see what was happening, but his father made him finish his chores. Later he told his father when he went to town the next day and saw wreckage from the crash. MUFON then investigated the Aurora Cemetery and uncovered a grave marker that appeared to be showing a flying saucer of some sort, as well as readings from its metal detector. MUFON asked for permission to exhume the site, but the Cemetery Association declined permission. After the MUFON investigation, the marker mysteriously disappeared from the cemetery and a three-inch pipe was placed into the ground. MUFON's metal detector no longer picked up metals reading from the grave. Thus, it was presumed that the metal was removed from the grave itself. MUFON's report eventually stated that the evidence was inconclusive but did not rule out the possibility of a hoax. The episode featured an interview with Mayor Brommer, who discussed the town's tragic history. The UFO Hunters Investigation On November 19, 2008, UFO Hunters first aired another television documentary regarding, regarding the Aurora incident titled First Contact. The documentary featured one notable change from the UFO file's story, Tim Oates' grandson of Brawley Oates, and the now owner of the property, with the sealed well where the UFO wreckage was purportedly buried, allowed the investigators to unseal the well in order to examine it from possible debris. Water was taken from the well, which tested normal except for large amounts of aluminum present. The well had no significant contents. It was stated in the episode that any large pieces of metal had been removed from the well by a past owner of the property. Further, the remains of a windmill base were found near the well site, which refuted Miss Pigwa's statements from the 1979 Time magazine article that Judge Proctor never had a windmill on his property. In addition, the Aurora Cemetery once again examined, although the Cemetery Association still did not permit exhumation, using ground, Penetrating radar and photos from prior visits, an unmarked grave was found in the area near 1890s graves. However, the condition of the grave was badly deteriorated and the radar could not conclusively prove what type of remains existed there. The landowner gave them pieces of metal that contained mostly aluminum and an unknown element. Please hold for an important message from one of my sponsors. Execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing
1: algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha Oh. I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or s- something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO? Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO, 15 minutes could save you 15%
0: or more. A new discovery on the moon that we're not even aware of? Something that just came across my blip on the screen. 1.5 million year old alien spacecraft has been found on the moon with alien bodies. And this was discovered during the Apollo 19 and 20 missions. Now, the cool thing is, official history tells us that 17 missions were launched between 61 and 75. And those are the years 1961 and 1975 for all of my Xennial crowd listening. These, of course, which 11 were manned, Apollo 7 through Apollo 17. During this time, six successful landings on the lunar surface were made. The Apollo 18, 19, and 20 flights were canceled due to the lack of new scientific value at the huge expense of the state budget and taxpayers. However, in 2007, Italian freelance journalist Luca Scantambrullo took a written interview with William Rutledge, who claims to be a member of the secret Apollo 20 mission. Now, the secret Apollo 20 mission, according to him, of course... God was what is going okay according to him he was an employee of Bell Laboratories and served in the US Air Force Rutledge attracted public attention by starting to distribute photographs and videos of the Apollo 20 mission online in 2007 which captured the same spaceship and pilots what is the essence of the information from Rutledge He claimed that during the Apollo 15 mission to the moon, an unidentified man-made object was discovered and photographed on its surface. During missions 16 and 17, several more photographs were taken and reconnaissance of the terrain from the orbit was carried out. The task of missions 18 and 19, which was no longer officially, is not really clear. Rutledge only says that during these missions, a number of problems occurred, as a result of which research data has been lost. It was originally planned to land next to an alien spaceship and study it using rovers. In 1976, the Apollo 20 mission was launched, which included William Rutledge, Aleski Lenov, and Leono Schneider. They managed to land by the ship, get inside, and inspect the interior of this crashed ship and the bodies of the pilots, one of the sources said that they not only examined the bodies, but also took the head of one of the bodies with them. The dimensions of the ship were 300 or 3,370 by 510 meters. The age is estimated at 1.5 million years old. Inside, there are many signs of biological life. Remnants of vegetation in the engine compartment of the ship stones of a triangular shape that exude a yellow liquid that have some medical properties. The remains of small bodies about 10 centimeters that lived in a network of glass pipes piercing the whole ship. They found a humanoid female, 1.6 meters. She had genitals, hair, six fingers. We assume the math is based on a dozen. She was a pilot. There was a an aero service connected to their fingers that, and the eyes and the body had no clothing and they had to cut two cables connected to the nose without nostrils. Leonov detached the devices from the eyes. Blood clots or biofluids burst and froze in the mouth, nose, and eyes and parts of the body. Some parts of the body were in unusually good condition. Hair and skin were protected by a thin, transparent layer of protection. The condition seemed neither dead nor alive. The booth was full of inscriptions and formed from long, hollow hexagonal tubes. On the other hand, one can only guess that this was a ship of the Anunnaki, about which Sitchin or some other guys wrote, Doubts are caused by the number of fingers. These humanoids have twelve of them, six on each hand. And we know that the Anunnaki used the hexadecimal numbering system, and on all the frescoes, they have five-fingered palms. We also know that the Anunnaki had a parallel mission in low Earth orbit. One part of them worked on Earth, and the other part remained on the mothership. It may well be that they used the moon as one of the ship's remained there. Another interesting fact is that the team of engineers who actually implemented the Apollo project was headed by Werner von Braun, who during Nazi Germany worked for the benefit of the Third Reich, creating for them the famous V-2 rockets. Braun came to America along with many other German scientists removed from Germany as a part of Operation Paperclip in 1945, and the colossal technological breakthrough of the engineers of the Third Reich happened to to cooperation with the occult societies of Anarib and Vril, who obtained information from ancient egregores of the gods related to our civilization. Braun had an interesting chain of events. German occult societies, moving to the U.S., working on a space program, detecting alien spacecraft, possibly the very same gods who advised the Nazis. He survived until 1977. And saw the launch of Apollo 20, and moreover, according to Rutledge, was personally present at this launch.
1: Unparalleled insider access. Get it all. Introducing the Sirius XM Platinum VIP plan, our newest, most exclusive plan. Listen in two cars, plus stream anywhere with two app logins. Access a massive, exclusive library of live concert video and audio recordings through nugs.net. Have opportunities to experience live and virtual SiriusXM events, including VIP-only exclusives. Get all your questions answered by a dedicated VIP customer care team. Plus, get all the entertainment we've got. It's all included with your Platinum VIP subscription. Be a VIP. Call 844-711-8800 to
0: learn more. Offer detail details apply. One login for activated vehicle. Not available in Canada. And now we're back to talk more about the Kegsberg UFO incident. As I said before the commercial break, on the evening of December 9th, 1965, a large, brilliant fireball was seen in at least six U.S. states and Ontario, Canada. As it streaked over the Detroit, Michigan, Windsor, Ontario area, reports of hot metal debris over Michigan and Northern Ohio. Grass fires and sonic booms in the Pittsburgh metropolitan area were attributed to the fireball. Some people in the village of Kecksburg, about 30 miles southeast of Pittsburgh, reported that something from the sky had crashed in the woods. Wisps of blue smoke, vibrations, and a heavy and loud thump. An early story in the Greensburg Tribune review stated the following. The area where the object landed was immediately sealed off on the order of the U.S. Army and state police. Reportedly in anticipation of a close inspection of whatever may have fallen, state police officials there ordered the area roped off, to await the expected arrival of both the U.S. Army engineers and possibly civilian scientists. When state troopers and Air Force personnel searched the woods, they reportedly found absolutely nothing. A subsequent edition in the Tribute Review bore the headline Searchers Failed to Find Object. Authorities discounted proposed explanations such as a plane crash, errant missile test, or re-entering satellite debris, and generally assumed it to be a meteor. Astronomer Paul Anir said the fireball was likely to have been a meteor entering the Earth's atmosphere. Geophysicist George Withrillo discounted the speculations that it was debris from a satellite and agreed that the reports were probably due to a meteor. Astronomers William P. Bittleman and Fred Hess said it undoubtedly was a meteor bolide. A spokesman for the Department of Defense in Washington said first reports indicated the reported fireball was a natural phenomenon. And many references such as space expert and skeptic James Oberg proposed the Cosmos 96 explanation in 1991 and advocated it in the 1998 Pittsburgh Post-Gazette article on the Kexberg case. Metal debris fall and recoveries were reported in or near El-, Re- El Raya, Ohio, and Livonia, Jackson, and Battle Creek, Michigan. Example sources were Chicago Tribune and Baltimore Sun, December 11, 1965. The Spokesman Review, December 10, 1965. UFO starts many fires, according to Chicago Tribune on December eleventh. flaming streak, across the sky, identified as a great meteor. Could it be a UFO cover-up? I mean, there's so many references and sources that have done their research on this incident. They have gone to the location and talked to survivors, people who were young when they witnessed it or who were at a certain age when they witnessed it, and now they are old and they are able to share their stories with researchers, investigators, journalists, And take the articles that were written at the time that it happened and come to their own conclusion. And of course, television and film has given us stories on this incident. In 1990, the NBC television show Unsolved Mysteries aired an episode partially devoted to the incident. The episode suggested an extraterrestrial craft had crashed. It quoted local residents at the time who said they had found an object in the woods shaped like an acorn and about as large as a Volkswagen Beetle, bearing writing resembling Egyptian hieroglyphics, which was subsequently removed in a secret military operation. A prop from that show remains on display in the village of Kecksburg. In 2003, the Sci-Fi Channel aired a two-hour documentary, The New Roswell, Kecksburg Exposed, hosted by Bryant Gumbel. In it, Kecksburg resident John Hayes said that as ten a 10-year-old boy, he saw a flatbed truck emerging from the site near his house, carrying something the size of a Volkswagen, an exact replication of the claims he made in the first episode of Unsolved Mysteries Season 3 in 1990. And in 2008, an episode of the Discovery Channel Series Nazi UFO Conspiracy suggested the incident was the recovery of an alleged Nazi UFO called Die Glock, the bell. Now, History Channel also has UFO Hunters, the show that was on in 2009 to 2013, suggested a military conspiracy and cover-up was related to the incident. And, of course, Ancient Aliens, also from History Channel suggested the alleged Nazi secret weapon, Die Glock, was recovered at Kecksburg, prompting a government conspiracy and cover-up due to the fact that it was Nazi technology that showed up in a village in Pennsylvania, United States of America in about 20 years after World War II ended. Please hold for an important message from one of my sponsors.
1: now, playing one of the- Biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now, number one for podcasting.
0: Hey, welcome back. Now I'm moving on to the next topic at hand. Something that we're all more than familiar with. That has been a part of UFO lore for almost 70 years, if not a little over. It happened in 1947. Now, July 8th was the 75th anniversary of the world's most famous UFO case that just won't go away, the Roswell Incident. 75 years ago, a mysterious discovery on a United States ranch land triggered the world's most famous UFO or unidentified flying object case known to man. On July 8, 1947, a UFO in the city of Roswell, New Mexico, ran a story about a United States military confirming debris about a crashed flying disc, or flying saucer, or bogey, even a Foo Fighter. You can call it one or the other. It had been found in the area weeks earlier. Despite a statement from the US Air Force, the next day that the wreckage composed of metallic looking objects, including rubber strips, tin foil, and sticks, which was made from a weather balloon, allegedly. The events had captured global attention. Former NASA chief historian Roger Latinios told Nine News the Flying Saucer report was initially put out by the U.S. military for expediency. Apparently, it was better from the United States Air Force's perspective that there was a crashed alien spacecraft out there than to tell the truth, he said. But it triggered a media frenzy. Officials in Roswell were inundated by journalists. The Red Herring was an attempt to divert the public gaze from the U.S. military top secret project mogul involving high altitude reconnaissance balloons much larger than a conventional weather balloon a typical mogul balloon was twice as tall as the statue of liberty they were developed by the u.s to spy on soviet russia's atomic bomb program allegedly a flying saucer was easier to admit than project mogul Linnaus said in 1947 at the early stages of the cold war Truth was not a priority for the United States government, he said. But if the military hoped to dispel interest in Roswell with its insistence a balloon had crashed, supported in an official 1948 report, it reignited decades later. We get to the late 1970s and early 1980s, and that period saw a real spike in extraterrestrial interest, from movies to books and other things, Lenau said. Among the most outlandish claims was a film released in 1995 Apparently showing autopsies of alien bodies recovered at Roswell And moved to the Pentagon's top secret Area 51 site in Nevada That was later proved to be a fake After two years later, former U.S. Army Public Affairs Officer Walter Hott Said at the Roswell incident in 1947 We had in our possession a flying saucer lenaus says claims such as these resulted in the roswell incident getting better with time it also spawned books and films television shows such as the x-files determined to squash the frenzy the u.s air force released an exhaustive report in 1994 titled the roswell report case closed but despite the document offering Numerous explanations to the claims of UFO conspiracy theories, including that the reported bodies of crash were actual crash dummies used in balloon testing. Rumors of a cover-up continued. The city of Roswell, meanwhile, cashed in on its fame and continues to today. It now is home to a UFO museum, remains a major destination for alien enthusiasts looking for more evidence of their beliefs. Others, such as Lanaus, insists UFO sightings can be judged on the evidence at hand. There's simply unidentified things you see in the sky. We've all probably seen them. That doesn't make us crazy, he said. And if you look long enough, you'll probably eventually figure out what it is you're looking at. It's not extraterrestrials. Well, not all the time. But he also concedes public interest in roswell will not go away anytime soon we'll still be talking about it 25 years from now the people who encountered the remains of the craft the people who discovered the fragments and debris from a crashed ufo told stories and shared with their family stories that continue to roll around to this day that they had the fragments in their home there were large Sheets and pieces of metal that seemingly you could squeeze in your hand and it would crunch up like a tinfoil ball. But then it would slowly straighten itself out and be completely flat and shiny, just as shiny as it was when they discovered it in the desert. Or those who exposed some of the fragments to heat to see what it would do, and it automatically would turn to a liquid form. And then they'd take the heat off of it, and it would flatten back out to the thick metal sheet that it was before. Weather balloons simply did not do that. have never done that. You can't expose it to heat to the point where it becomes liquefied. And then it flattens itself back out and reshapes. And that's, that's a higher form of technology that at that time did not exist. From any world government Or any scientific agency there are so many Unanswered questions that we'll probably never Have fully answered within our Lifetime when the debris was Transported to the Fort Worth Army Airfield in Texas where military Experts proclaimed It was from a crashed weather Balloon however before that Pronouncement was relayed Back to Roswell New Mexico The base sent out the news release About finding a flying saucer and everything on July 5th when Brazel, the owner of the ranch headed to Corona on a Saturday night and learned that everyone else had been talking about it he began to wonder whether there was a connection on Monday he gathered up the strange material and traveled back into town to inform local officials of his discovery the sheriff visited Brazel's ranch then contacted the military and a majority of those pieces ended up and Wright, Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio, as well as Area 51, before it got the name Area 51. It was Gloom Lake. Please hold for an important message from one of my sponsors. Available to order now, my first audiobook, Neil Parks Presents Truly Terrifying Tales, narrated by me. It's ready to order and download on bandcamp.com. My other books, of course, are always available to order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Lulu.com. You can also order t-shirts that I designed, that I normally sell at conventions, festivals, lectures, and my book signings. I always have the 9-inch tall 3D printed Bigfoot silhouettes available, and last spring my first children's book was released. It was written by my good friend and fellow author, R.L. Walker. I illustrated this book And it was a major shift in gears for me, considering that my writing and art style has always been dark and scary. To order any of what I just mentioned, you can also go to my email, which is parksparanormal at gmail.com. That is parksparanormal at gmail.com. Standing by. Thanks for listening to all of this. I had a lot of fun doing this episode this week. A lot of awesome information has been released. A lot of New finds, new verification and validation for stories from the likes of Bob Lazar, myself, various other UFO enthusiasts and eyewitnesses who have been saying for years, for decades, uh, some of them for centuries, that we are not alone. There are things out there that are beyond our understanding that are not of this world. I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks for hanging out with me this long. I'm Neil Parks. Signing off.